Well, good morning, everybody. Isn't that a great way to start a service? If you're new with this, you might be wondering what in the world was that video all about? Um, if you aren't new with us, if you've been with us over the past few weeks, doesn't that video kind of sound like the Song of Solomon that we are reading right now? It's kind of like reading Shakespeare and watching a, a Broadway musical all at the same time. I think it's fantastic. Well, if you're new with us, we are in part three of a series called SOS. And in this series, we are learning about love, marriage, dating, and sex. And this series is based on an Old Testament book called the Song of Solomon. It's also called the Song of Songs. And um, our title has kind of a a hidden meaning as well. Uh, The second meaning to it is we are sending an SOS signal to God saying, God, we need your help. Because if you look around our world, intimate, what are supposed to be lifelong marital relationships are in real trouble today. Many of us don't know how to get into God-honoring dating relationships. We don't know how to get into God-honoring marriages. We don't don't know how to stay in those God-honoring marriages. So our relationships, that relationship that that I think is, is one of those most important relationships outside of our relationship with God, that intimate relationship between one man and one woman who should be totally and freely committed to each other for life, that relationship's in real trouble. So we are calling on God for help. And the help that God is providing us is found in this ancient love story written about 3,000 years ago, written by King Solomon. And he was the third king of the nation of Israel. And it's about him and this woman named Shulamith, who basically has a Cinderella story. So she is basically a peasant farmer and she captures the king's attention, captures the king's heart and becomes queen of Israel. Beautiful story. And we have watched over the past few weeks as this couple has built their relationship. They've built their relationship based upon great reputations, based upon godly character, based upon high standards that they have for themselves and for each other. We've watched this couple protect each other physically, emotionally, sexually, and spiritually. We've actually even watched them restrain themselves from sexual intimacy because of their love for each other. They said, listen, we do not want to awaken sexual love until the time is right. And when is that time right? It's on our wedding day. So we watched both of them say, we are not going to awaken love until our wedding day. Now, quick question. Does anybody know if Publix was able to restock their raisin cakes after last week? (laughs) I heard they had like a buy one, get one free special going on after the mad rush last week. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, listen to last week's message and then go to Publix and get some raisin cakes. And, And we will all benefit from that, especially today when you hear what we're gonna talk about. So in chapter three of the Song of Solomon, Solomon and Shulamith celebrate their wedding. In chapter four, they are on their wedding night. So the honeymoon begins. And we will be talking today about how to have great God-honoring sex. Now, if that subject kind of makes you blush, uh, makes you uncomfortable, I just want to say, imagine being up here (laughs) and talking to all of you. Yes, it's a little bit awkward. 
And some of you might wonder, why in the world would a pastor decide to, to talk about this subject in a church context? Isn't that inappropriate? Shouldn't that be reserved for you know, husband and wife? Shouldn't that just be reserved for maybe a counseling session or you know, a private conversation? Why do that here? Well, let me remind all of us something that we learned. Sex was God's idea, and it was a great idea. Can I get an amen out of anybody? A great idea from God. Okay, so sometimes when we look at the subject of sex, we don't remember that it was God's idea. Sometimes we think, oh, maybe that was Satan's idea. Maybe that was the world's idea. Maybe that was our idea, but it wasn't. It was God's idea. And every day we look at our world's message about sex outside of God's design. Every day we listen to that. We can't watch TV for very long without seeing our world's message. And our world says, if God designed sex to work best in the context of marriage, sex outside of marriage is even better. So our world tells us that all the time. We see that in TV shows. We see that on commercials. Uh, We even see that when we are walking out of the grocery store. It's all over. And yet, sex was God's idea. And he had a great idea for it and a great design. And when we understand that design and when we use sex in the way that God designed it to be used, sex gets better. When we use it outside of God's design, sex actually gets worse. And some of you have experienced sex at its worst. Maybe you've been molested. Maybe you've been raped. Maybe you've been abused in some way, exploited for sexual reasons. If that's happened to you, I'm so incredibly sorry. God never intended for that to happen. It was not part of God's design. And sometimes people um, who have had that experience in their lives, sometimes those people say, you know what, I guess I'll never experience God's design for intimacy because of what has happened to me. And I want to tell you, that's not true. You actually can heal from those wounds. You actually can recover. You actually can experience the beauty of intimacy the way God designed it. But it's not going to happen overnight. And there's a good chance you'll need some help. You might need, need to see a counselor. You might need to walk that road with somebody who you trust, who can guide you on this journey of healing. You might need to read some books that can help you in that healing process. And if you're in that spot, I hope that you'll get those resources. So on our spiritual growth challenge, I have a list of those resources available to you. It's at our Connection Center. It's just a one-page document that takes what we're talking about on Sundays a little bit further. So if you need that, stop by our Connection Center, pick that up. There is a way you can get connected with some local counselors. And there are several books that I recommend that you read that can help you heal from a hurt that happened in your world sexually. Now, God designed sex to work best in the context of a loving marital relationship between one man and one woman who are totally and freely committed to each other for life. So that's kind of the context that we're going to use today as we talk about how to have great God-honoring sex. And again, we're going to be in Song of Solomon chapter 4. And one of the things that I want you to notice about that is especially important for us guys. So guys, make sure you're listening to this part. 
Sexual intimacy begins before the bedroom. So great God-honoring sex starts way before the bedroom. And Solomon has been teaching us that over the past few weeks. But listen as he shows us that again in chapter 4, verse 1. So chapter 4, verse 1, Solomon says to his bride, You are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. A reference to the wedding ceremony they've just had. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Now, in that culture, it was inappropriate for a Jewish woman to have her hair down. That was only appropriate for the bedroom. And so Solomon is seeing her for the first time with her hair down. And he says, you are breathtaking. You're beautiful. And then verse two, he gets very romantic. Verse two, he says, your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. So he's pretty excited. She has all of her teeth in her mouth. You imagine, you know, back then, 3,000 years ago, how challenging that would have been. So he's pretty excited she's got all of her teeth. Verse three, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. So if you're wondering, is he going to keep going down her body? The answer is yes. We'll get to some of that in just a moment. Now watch what Solomon is doing here. So Solomon starts with her beauty and he starts talking about her eyes and her hair and her lips and her mouth. And he's describing those things in detail. So he is describing things about her that he thinks are beautiful. And he's doing that in detail. And part of what he's doing there is before engaging sexual activity, He's building an emotional connection with his wife. Super important, guys, for us to remember that great God-honoring sex is built on a strong emotional connection between a couple. Okay, for us to remember what we're talking about today, I have some props up here. Does anybody enjoy when we have props on stage? Okay. For those of you who don't, I'm sorry. But when it comes to props and using props, here's what I hope. I hope that that when we use a prop on Sunday, when you see that prop throughout the week, you will be reminded of the message. You go, oh yeah, like that prop reminds me of something that we talked about on Sunday. And then the message then comes back to you later in the week. And so that's what I hope happens with some of these props, especially these props. Now, when it comes to sexual intimacy, women are more like crockpots and men are more like microwaves. Anybody ever used a crockpot before? Anybody ever used a microwave before? Common things, 
that we use in our lives. And so we're going to have cooking with Trent today. All right. We're going to talk about this in the context of sexual intimacy. Okay. So guys, let me start with you. And we're going to talk about how to use a crock pot. Okay. Um, when my wife and I got married, I had no clue how to use a crock pot. My wife has taught me how to use a crock pot. And so through the years, I've made my own crock pot meals. Now, here's what you need to know about a crock pot. You don't just throw stuff in and expect to get a meal in 30 minutes. It doesn't work like that. So with a crock pot, you need to get up early. Start early. Prepare everything that you're going to be using in that crock pot. So for us, what I like to put in is like a roast, or if I'm lucky enough to go out and do some turkey hunting and get a turkey and bring that turkey home, that turkey goes into the crock pot for the night, and and I start cooking it. Now, I like to also put vegetables in there. You know, potatoes are great to have in there. My son loves cooked carrots, so we put cooked we put carrots in there and they cook. We put onions in there for flavor. There's some soup mixes that we like to add in there. There's some other spices that my wife puts in there, like garlic and just other things that give this meal incredible flavor. So once you have everything ready, pour some water in that, put the lid on top, and then you turn it on low because crock pot meals taste better on low. It's like a slow cooked meal. So super important. Now you can leave that alone. You can go throughout your day. You can go to work. You can do whatever. You can come back later that night and enjoy a meal. Now I don't prefer to do that when I'm in charge of the crock pot. I prefer to check on it throughout the day. So throughout the day, I come back, check on it and see how's it look? How's it taste? I'll sample just a little bit of it. If it doesn't taste spicy enough or flavorful enough, I'll add more spices. I'll check the meat to make sure that it's coming along as it should. I like to check it throughout the day. Okay. Now, guys, when it comes to sexual intimacy, your wife is like a crock pot. Okay. She is not ready for sex at any moment. I know it's shocking. I know you're like, why? Like that doesn't make any sense. She is not. She needs to be warmed up to sexual activity. And she is warmed up to sexual activity through an emotional connection that we build with each other. And that emotional connection is based on what we say and what we do. What we say and what we do. So we watched Solomon speak words of life to his wife in detail. So guys, do you speak words of life to your wife in detail on a regular basis? Do you know how to do that? Some guys are like, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure. And I say, learn, Google it, like learn, like you can learn how to speak words of life to your wife in detail. Learn how to do that. Learn to say things that are meaningful. And when you see something that's meaningful, that sticks with your wife, then learn from that, hold on to that and and add to that different things that can speak words to her that are so meaningful to her. Now, and I I don't mean that you should start with saying you have all your teeth and that's exciting. (laughs) That's a terrible place to start. You know, back then it was an okay place to start, but today you've got to start somewhere else. So learn to say meaningful things. Emotional connection is also built, not just by what we say, by what we do. So do special things with and for your wife. Special things. So if your wife likes the beach, get some sandals. If your wife likes gourmet meals, make reservations. If your wife likes cheesy Hallmark movies, pop some popcorn. And some guys say, that's just not me. I don't like that stuff. And my question is, how's your sex life? (laughs) 
Would you like a better sex life? Most guys, well, yeah. Well, learn to do special things with and for your wife. If you do, you'll build an emotional connection with her. Here's another thing that that we men need to remember. When building an emotional connection, we need to learn how to serve our wives. Serve them. So is there something that your wife does around the house, maybe a chore that she does that she just doesn't like to do? Can you jump in and do that for her occasionally? Or take that chore over altogether? Is there something that she's been asking you to do for a very long time that hasn't been done? Can you do that and, and help to build an emotional connection with her? So here's some of the things that I've learned about my wife through the years. I've learned that my wife does not like to have a sink full of dishes and she does not like to have those dishes like pots and pans drying on the counter. She prefers, all of that is done, but by the end of the night, we go to bed. She starts with a fresh day. She doesn't come downstairs and see, oh my goodness, I still got to do that. So what I have learned is I've got to do my best to get all that stuff done before we go to bed. Now, I don't always do it. There are moments I, I don't, um, but I try to make sure that I make sure that's taken care of. Now, another thing, my wife works so hard to prepare our meals and my kids are so grateful because if I were in charge of meals, you know, like we have chicken wraps that I pick up from, you know, Publix all the time or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So it's pretty bland um, or that when I'm making that and that's pretty fantastic, but not very often. So what I try to do is clean up after dinner and I work hard to, to get stuff cleaned up and make sure that when my wife starts her day, She doesn't have that stuff uh, as an obstacle to her day. Now, my wife has told me, don't tell her I told you this, but my wife has told me, when you do things like that for me and when you engage meaningful interaction with our kids, I develop a sexual desire for you. (laughs) Guys, that is super important, okay? So my wife has said, you know, when you interact with the kids meaningfully, when you do things that like, like, I, like I've been uh, hoping to get done, haven't been able to get done, or things that I don't, I don't want to do, they're hard for me to do, and yet you step in and do that, I want to have sex with you. So guess what I do when I come home from work? I vacuum. I turn the dishwasher on. Doesn't even matter if there's anything in the dishwasher. I just turn it on. You know, I get the washing machine going. Doesn't matter if anything's in it. Um, if the kids are asleep, I wake them up. Say, hey, let's go play a game. You want to spend some time together, meaningful time together? Why do I do those things? Because I love my wife. So guys, we've got to learn to serve our wives. Serve them in meaningful ways. Build an emotional connection. It's so incredibly important for us to do that. So great God-honoring marriages start before the bedroom, and they're built on an emotional connection. That's how a crock pot works. You wanna learn how a microwave works? It won't take long. Verse five says, your breasts are like two fawns. That's how a microwave works. Right there, that's it. That's it. So, ladies, we don't need to be warmed up to sexual intimacy. We don't need it. We're there. We're, we're warm all the time. All you have to do is give us the indication. You know, look at us. Give us that glance. You don't even have to look at us. Just clear your throat. And we'll assume, oh, that's what she's talking about, intimacy. So men don't need to be warmed up 
to sexual intimacy. I've told my wife, anytime, anyplace, you let me know. I will move heaven and earth, 2 a.m., 2 p.m., doesn't matter. I will move heaven and earth to meet your needs in that area of our relationship. So guys, we don't need to be warmed up. But here's God's secret when it comes to crockpots and microwaves. Great God-honoring marriages are built on both. God designed us differently on purpose. And he wants us to learn to lean towards each other. He wants us to become great lifelong students of each other. So guys, that means God wants you to learn to prepare your wife for sexual intimacy. Build an emotional connection with her. And this is probably one of the most important things that we need to remember, men. Sexual intimacy is not about sex. It's about intimacy. Your wife wants to know that you are into her, not the activity, not sex. She wants to know that you are so into her and your interaction with her based upon sex is is built on a foundation of an emotional connection that you have with her. You can have sex and totally miss intimacy altogether. And the interesting thing is, You can have intimacy without sex. It's possible to build that. But when you put those two together, you've got a bond that can hold a relationship together for a lifetime. So guys, learn to cook with a crock pot. Ladies, use the microwave sometimes. (laughs) It's not that hard. Just use the microwave. When you lean towards your husband through sexual intimacy, when you initiate sex with him, I don't know if I can capture how meaningful that is. That speaks volumes to your man, that you desire him in that way. And here's a little secret. For guys, we also desire an emotional connection. And for us, that emotional connection comes through sexual activity. So sexual activity for a man often leads to an emotional connection. For a lady, an emotional connection often leads to sexual intimacy. So we approach the same subject from separate sides of the door. And who should go first? Both of us. Both of us should learn to be lifelong students of each other and lean in each other's direction Say, I want to meet your needs. It's so incredibly important to me. You are so incredibly important to me. I want to learn how to love you the way that you need to be loved. That's how we build great God-honoring marriages that last a lifetime. Now, let me circle back to something that we talked about last week. Chapter 2, verse 15, says this. Says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. And we talked last week about uh, what little foxes can fit into that category. There's all kinds of foxes that can fit into to that category. There's pride, there's selfishness, there's a refusal to resolve conflict in a God honoring way. There are many things that can, can be a little fox that ruins the vineyard of love that we're trying to establish. Now, I also said last week that children can be little foxes that can ruin the vineyard of love. I have four of those uh, little foxes in my house, and I've watched those little foxes 
kind of ruin the vineyard of love in any given day. I mean, there, there are moments that I'm working the crock pot all day long and Tammy's giving me the signal. Tonight's the night. And I'm pretty excited about, about that. And, uh, and there have been moments I've watched my kids get on my wife's nerves and I've watched her turn the crock pot off. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got it going. It's been four hours. It's fantastic. Kids, go outside. Here's my keys. Drive around the neighborhood. Here's my wallet. Go buy something. I don't care. Stay away from your mom. <laughs> so we've got to protect each other from little foxes. And again, kids, they're not intentionally doing that stuff, um, but unintentionally, if we put our kids before our marriage all the time, they can become little foxes that ruin the vineyard of love that we're trying to establish. Now, I want to talk about two really big foxes that can ruin the vineyard of love. Here's the first one. Pornography. Pornography never builds it always destroys. It never builds intimacy. No matter what warped message our world gives us, it always destroys the intimacy that we're trying to establish. I don't care if we're talking about the man looking at it, the woman looking at it, or both. I don't care. It will always destroy any kind of intimacy and emotional connection that we are trying to build with each other. And again, our world throws this stuff at us. It crams it down our throat on a regular basis. It even makes movies that seem a little bit palatable, like Fifty Shades of Dirt or whatever that movie's called out there. Our world tries to make sex outside of God's design palatable and normal. When God looks at it, he says, it's always wrong. Always, always destroys, never builds. So pornography, pornography should never have a place in our personal lives or in our relationships, ever. The next big fox that tries to ruin the vineyard of love is sexual starvation. It's not having intimacy enough in the context of a marital relationship. Listen to how the Bible addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, now regarding the questions that you have asked in your letter, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. Pause there for just a second. Paul says the single life is not a bad life. He elevates the value of singleness. And sometimes we say, you know what? Everybody should always be in a relationship. God designed us to be in a relationship. And so if you're not in a relationship, something's wrong with you. And, and one day, hopefully you'll find somebody. Paul says, that's not true. God's main purpose in life is not that you enter a, a relationship. God's main purpose for all of us is that we become people that love him, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You can do that as a single person. You can do that as a married person. So then he continues in verse two and says, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Pay attention to this. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. 
Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So God says, if you're married, you should have sexual intimacy on a regular basis. Do you know that you are your spouse's only viable option for sexual intimacy? And your spouse is your only viable option for sexual intimacy? So God says, do not deprive each other. When we deprive each other, either on purpose or just, hey, life's so busy, we actually open the door for the enemy, Satan, to come in and attack our relationship. Now, does that give your spouse permission to engage pornography or to have an affair? No, absolutely not. But are you contributing to the attack of the enemy on your relationship? Are you letting the enemy attack you? Because you've put sexual intimacy at a low level, low priority in your relationship. God says it needs to be a high priority. The only time we should refrain from that with each other is that we've agreed together to pray and fast. I don't know a whole lot of couples that do that. I actually had one friend one time, um, our church was doing a fast. He and his wife agreed to abstain from sexual intimacy during the context of that whole fast. And I think it was 21 days. And I said, you are crazy. But that was a couple that understood that passage. And we should understand that passage. And outside of committing to a time of prayer together as a husband and wife, we should engage intimacy on a regular basis. Now, what does that mean for you? I'm not sure. Have a conversation when it's next appropriate. Um, if your kids are with you at lunch, don't have that conversation at lunch. But next appropriate time, ask your spouse, are we having enough great God-honoring sex? Most guys, their answer is no. And ladies, I'm not sure what your answer might be. Um, but have that conversation and find a God-honoring compromise. That's how we, we build great God-honoring relationships that lasts a lifetime. So we gotta catch little foxes that try to ruin the vineyard of love. Pornography is a big one. Sexual starvation is another one. Now, as we wrap up today, I'm going to give some final challenges to everybody, okay? So I'm gonna start with the men. So men, here's my challenge. Build an emotional connection with your wife this week and beyond from there. Like, learn how to do that on a regular basis. Speak words of life to her. Do special things with her and for her. Become a student of hers and learn what things like make her happy. What, what, what are the things that she loves to do and figure out how to do those things. Learn how to serve your wife. Find those meaningful things to her and learn to do those things on a regular basis and don't do those things expecting sex in return. That's selfish love. We're talking about God honoring respectful love. Ladies, use the microwave this week. <laughs> initiate sex with your man. Remember, when you initiate sex with him, that often leads to an emotional connection that he will have with you that's stronger after sex than before sex. So remember that and approach him. Give him the glance. Clear your throat. Whatever. Give him that indication. Tonight's the night. 
as you are building great God-honoring relationships, always look for little foxes. Keep your eye open for any little fox that wants to slip in and destroy your relationship and address those foxes appropriately. Deal with them quickly and watch how that regular activity can help you build the relationship that you desire. And then if you aren't married, my challenge to you is to commit to living by God's design for sexual intimacy. Commit to to saying, you know, I'm going to wait to have sex with my spouse on my wedding day. I'm gonna work on becoming a person of great reputation, godly character, high standards. I'm gonna protect myself and my spouse, my future spouse. I'm gonna protect them uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually. Work on becoming that person. You will never regret building that kind of foundation. And when God brings that person along and you're able to open the gift of sexual intimacy, you will look back and be so grateful that you became the person God wants you to become. And if anybody has messed up, if anybody's already opened that gift, if anybody's experienced uh, sexual intimacy outside of the context of marriage, we serve a God of do-overs. So step back and start over. Start over and commit. I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to put God's design first. I'm going to stop listening to our world's message. I'm going to listen to God's message. And I'm going to apply it to my life and see the power of this amazing gift that God has given us called sexual intimacy. So it was kind of an awkward conversation today, I understand. And when you leave like the first service, nobody wanted to make eye contact on their way out. (laughs) Nobody really wanted to talk to me on the way out either. So I get it. It's all good. I understand. But here's what I hope. As you leave today, you'll take whatever challenge is appropriate to you, and you will really wrestle with that challenge. If you need to have a conversation with your spouse, you will. If you need to have a conversation with God, you will. And apply this truth to your life. So if you would, uh, let's pray together. Lord, what an awkward conversation, uh, especially in a church context. But God, I'm so grateful that we've got a whole book in the Bible dedicated to to these kind of relationships and and how to build a relationship, a God-honoring relationship between a man and a woman that should last a lifetime. We need that, that help. We need that instruction. And Solomon and Shulamite are giving us some amazing information to build those kind of relationships. So God, we all have a challenge today. For men who are married, we have a challenge Women who are married, we have a challenge. Uh, People who aren't married or single, we have a challenge. So God, we need your help to learn to live the way that you've designed us to live and to experience intimacy the way you've designed it to be used. So give us the strength to follow your design. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you leave, let me tell you what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to watch The Honeymoon Wear Off. Anybody know that happens? Honeymoon wears off for everybody. And we're going to watch with Solomon and Shulamite. Their honeymoon is going to wear off. And they're going to get into some conflict. We're going to watch them resolve that conflict in a way that honors God. And we're going to learn from that and how we can resolve conflict in a way that honors God. So I hope you'll come back next week. If you know somebody who's got some conflict in their relationship, invite them to come because there is some priceless information that we're going to learn next week about resolving relational conflict. So I hope you come back for that. Have a great Sunday. Go see if there's raisin cakes at Publix. We'll see you next week.